Welcome everybody to today's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. What we're going to be covering this time is I want to talk about the effect on the property market that the new Labor government is likely to have. Obviously, pre-election, they made a heck of a lot of promises. Um, we'll see whether they actually deliver or not is the next thing. But I want to talk about how that is going to affect the property market if all of that actually comes to play. So let's get into it. What does it, the new Labor government mean for property? Well, look, although we had the uh, help to buy scheme, uh, which is expected to be really popular with a lot of buyers, it could lead to negative equity for the government if, um, if, if the market actually corrects. Now, it depends on when that actually happens because it's unlikely to correct for some time. Um, but if this is something that's going to continue, obviously, at some point, there will be corrections in the market, and that could lead to negative equity, which would mean that people could get trapped in the uh, in the share equity scheme with the government. All the details obviously aren't known yet, so it's a little bit important to to um, see how the legislation actually rolls out. It's all very easy to make these promises, but actually what the detail is is another story altogether. Um, it's avoiding the downward pressure on it. It's avoiding the downward pressure on home prices by implementing price caps and income caps. So we'll get into that as we move through the uh, the presentation. And the Labor Party noted the housing crisis is hitting regional Australia the hardest, but regional Australia's dwelling value um, to income ratio is still lower than the capital city. So it's a, it, they're not actually um, reporting on the truth, if you like, when you, when you look at the capital cities versus the regional areas. Now, just before we get into the nitty-gritty, if you are listening to me on any one of the podcast uh, platforms, like Spotify or on iTunes, what I'd really love you to do is to get across to my website. It's iloverealestate.tv. And there you'll get all of my slides, you'll get all of the extra information, and you'll be able to catch up on a whole lot of other stuff that I've got there with videos and, and journals and all sorts of things for you, which is all for free. So make sure you get across there at some some stage. It's iloverealestate.tv. All right. Now, if you're liking this on uh, Facebook or any of the other forums, I'd love you to be putting me some thumbs up or some hearts or some shares or whatever else you can you can do to uh, give me some encouragement as we move along. All right. Now, the first thing is the help to buy scheme. The government helps up to 40% of property, has up to 40% of property prices for new homes, 30% for established homes. Um, and households, uh, source the rest of the finance with a little, as little as a 2% deposit. Now it sounds fantastic. Uh, the big thing is, of course, because obviously you're co-owning with the government your home, there's only 10,000 spots and you've got to meet some income caps. So for an individual, if you earn less than $90,000 or for a couple $120,000, then you may qualify. But you've got, you're basically going to go into a lottery because... Um, the 10,000 spots, I can tell you, are going to go very, very quickly. So the price caps, for, they vary anything from 400,000 in some areas 
up to 950,000 in places like Sydney. So the uh, the restricted um, owner-occupier buyers, so you cannot do this for an investment, it's only for owner-occupiers who don't currently own a property and it commences in July this year. So uh, we can't be used to speculation, obviously, with investment properties. The 10000 is going to go very, very quickly and, uh, you know, it's something that, that is, is a, a new concept, but not new around the world. In fact, uh, you know, I've been traveling in England and, um, they have a very similar scheme with a shared ownership. So we'll see how it plays out. We'll see what the, the nitty gritty actually comes out with in the legislation. Um, you can have up to a 5% deposit, but in some cases you can have only a 2% deposit and it's either a 30% or a 40% stake. Now, what this means is, and this is what's something that, that came out just before the election, is that any renovations you might do, so if you bought an old crapper, for instance, and you renovated the property, then um, any of the, the renovation uplift would be yours. Now, the problem with that is, how do you determine that? How much did the property increase by you doing those renovations, which means you'd have to go and get it uh, valued beforehand and then valued after to uh, to have a percentage uplift? And then what does that percentage uplift mean in two or three years' time? It all gets very, very complicated. So I'm afraid the devil's in the detail. But just to give you an example, on a Sydney property, uh, the cap on that is $950,000. So if they put in a 30% for an existing home, and that can be a unit, it doesn't have to be a standalone house, um, they would be putting in $285,000. So it is fairly substantial. And when you start to look at the numbers of suburbs that would actually qualify, you can see here there's, uh, you know, for units and for um and for suburbs, there's quite a few, even in places like Sydney. Obviously, in the regional areas, there's plenty of places that, that will qualify. And you can see the caps. So they vary depending on regional state and the capital cities. So it's going to be an interesting time, I can tell you. This this chart here is pretty important because it actually shows um, how long it takes to save a 20% deposit. And you can see now we're the highest we ever have been. Um, we're only, though, really slightly higher than we were in 2008. Now, the reason for that is obviously we've had massive uh, house price increases in 2021 and continuing through 2022. But the big thing is that our salaries have not gone up. So wage has not increased through COVID. There was a you know, moratorium, a freeze, if you like, right across the board. Everybody was just happy to have a job through COVID. And that has meant we're about two or three years behind where wage growth would normally have been. However, as I've said in many of these podcasts, um, there is going to be a catch-up period. And we're already seeing that now. You will have noticed all the strike action. But there's, there's something happening on top of that. And that is that people are moving jobs now. Because the labor market is so tight, uh, a lot of people are moving from one job to another. And in that move, they command a higher salary. Because in order to get a new employee, 
companies are having to offer more in salaries, more in wages. So uh, when there was some surveys done recently, which actually showed just how many people were prepared to uh, to move jobs or looking actively looking for a new job. And if you add those two together, it came up to something like 70%. So there's some movement in the market, and that's because the job market really is that tight. So when you come back to this chart, you know, we're playing catch-up in wages. Property prices have increased, but we're really only... Uh, just above where we were pre-pandemic um, and pre, um, you know, not just pre-pandemic, but 2017 when the market was absolutely at its height, as at its height, beg your pardon. And many pensioners, uh, you know, uh, are renting. So what that means is that it's really affecting the older age group, which also then translate to the fact that a lot of the older demographic. Um, are going to be moving across into this housing scheme. And they actually might be the ones that are more um, prepared for the scheme because they probably got the 2% or the 5% to actually get into a property. The issue will be education because a lot of these, um, you know, in the older demographic are not paying attention to the property market. You know, they have been, um, they've been out of the market for so long and a lot of them have given up hope, which means that they're very set in their little rental property um, and uh, they actually haven't thought that it's even possible to get out there and take up one of these, uh, one of these places because they will go extraordinarily quickly. So, um, you know, it's a really a matter of getting out there and educating the, the older demographic because they're the ones who probably need it the most. I know the young people think that they do and it's so unaffordable and all the rest of it, but they've actually got the rest of their lives to save as well. So I would be, uh, you know, promoting the, uh, the older demographic, but they need to get educated because otherwise they're going to end up with just a dud anyway and perhaps be sold one of these ones from the marketeers that uh, is 20 30 40 50 $80,000 overpriced because that's what they are and that's what they're pumping out at the moment. So beware of that stuff. We get back to, uh, you know, the, what the, uh, the experts are actually saying about some of this stuff and, uh, you know, really – and this has come out from a Liberal MP, so of course they're going to say that, but it really is adding fuel to the fire. So the end result of this particular policy change is it has some good stuff in there. Um, the devil's in the detail, but the result is it will add fuel to the fire. We are going to see uh, elevated pricing simply because of this particular scheme, even though there's only... Uh, 10,000 places available each year. So what's the second thing that's come out in these promises? Well, the first home loan deposit scheme, which was brought out by the Liberal government, is going to be extended and preserved. Now, there's really three parts to this. The first is the uh, first home loan uh, deposit scheme, which means that they are guaranteeing um, without mortgage insurance the rest of the 15% because normally you'd need a 20% deposit to get the, uh, to be able to uh, buy the property without mortgage insurance. Well, the government's going to guarantee the remaining 
15%, which means you basically only need a 5% deposit if you are a first homeowner. So they're extending that possibly out to 2025. Now, the new home guarantee supports you to build or buy a new home uh, with higher property price caps available, and I'll get into that in a minute. And the family home guarantee aims to support eligible single parents uh, with at least one dependent child to purchase a family home with a deposit of as little as 2%. So again, it's really, um, it's helping out the bottom end of the market. It's helping out the first home buyers, um, which normally leads to the younger demographic. But, you know, when you look at uh, how many suburbs are going to be affected, well, it's going to be about 40% of suburbs will qualify because of the price caps for this uh, loan scheme boost. Now, from the 1st of July, the price caps, and this is new with the Labor government, for uh, homes available under the scheme will rise by $100,000 across capital cities and major um, and major centres, except for the AT- ACT, where it will increase by $250,000. Protecting the pollies, huh? Um, not that I'm cynical, of course. This will bring the price limit to $900,000 for Sydney and larger New South Wales centres, such as Port Macquarie and Newcastle, and $800,000 for Melbourne and some of the Victorian regional centres. Brisbane will be at 700,000, um, and the major regional area and areas around that, like the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast, and uh, ACT will go up to $750,000. So if you look at that in this chart, you can see there, um, you know, the, uh, the current price cap, um, and the proposed price cap and, and, uh, you know, the, the suburbs that are actually going to be affected by that, etc. So it opens up more suburbs, uh, in the, the bigger capital cities. Um, and it really will be a welcome, um, a welcome addition, I suppose, to the existing scheme there that was brought in by the Liberal government. Tim Lawless, who is CoreLogic, a major researcher in the property stakes, has come out with his, um, analogy of what this actually means. So lifting the threshold <clears throat> the thresholds is a positive outcome for housing demand. The higher thresholds should help to support housing demand across the lower price detached housing markets as interest rates rise. Stronger demand from first home buyers and single parent families could help to keep a floor under housing prices uh, in suburbs where a large proportion of homes meet the price cap and policies. So it's interesting, isn't it? And really what he's saying is that we're already in a situation where we have over-demand and under-supply. So what's this scheme actually going to do to the market? Well, guess you guessed it. It's going to add more fuel to the already raging fire. So we've seen a little bit of a, uh, a cooling off, I suppose, in the last couple of months. But when this stuff starts to uh, bite in the market, it'll just add more demand. And as we add more demand, of course, that adds more pressure, upward pressure on, on house prices. So, you know, they, they're trying to do things on one side, but it's actually going to have the opposite effect because it'll just push prices even higher. 
because our problem has always been all through COVID, ever since APRA got involved in 2017 and reduced the ability to be able to borrow, is we have had an undersupply in housing. We haven't had, uh, you know, the catch up yet. We are still chewing through a lot of the demand that was pent up through all of that period of time where APRA was playing silly buggers, let's face it. And then when, um, then when the, the pandemic happened, of course, and COVID, and we ended up with a lot of companies not producing new housing, which means we've had this massive undersupply. And that's what really caused the upward pressure on pricing last year. Now, if we go and implement a whole lot of these schemes, yep, that's exactly what's going to happen. The fire is going to continue to rage and it will add more upward pressure on pricing. So, the third thing is the extended um, first home uh, buyer support scheme into the regions. Now, again, uh, this just means that you're going to need a 5% deposit to buy a property in the regions. Uh, it's limited to 10,000 spots, which really in Australia is a flash in the pan. Um, the current cap is $125,000 for individuals for income and $200,000 for couples. So the property price cap varies by region from $250,000 up to $800,000. It's restricted to owner-occupiers, so again, no investment, who haven't previously owned a home um, and have been living in a regional for at least 12 months. So you can't just move to a regional, buy a home and then uh, rent it out. That doesn't work. And it commences in January next year. So... Uh, that's uh, we've got a little while to wait for that one, but it could give a little bit of a boost to the regional areas. And again, you can see there how uh, you know the how many suburbs are going to qualify and what percentage in those areas will qualify for that price cap. It's interesting when you look at Queensland as an example. Um, you know, places like uh, the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast, numbers of suburbs that qualify zero. <laughs> So there's no suburbs on the Sunshine Coast, uh, which is considered a regional area, or the Gold Coast for that matter, matter uh, that will actually qualify for you to buy a house. That is crazy. That is just out of control. Obviously, there are units available, uh, but um, that's crazy, absolutely crazy. But of course, it's only for first-home buyers as well. This chart shows you the dwelling value to income ratio and you can see there uh, the big lift has been in the regionals, although obviously in city areas it's gone up as well. Um, uh, and we look, we all know it. Wages haven't gone up, but prices have. And that's why we've got this, this um, upward shift in the uh, value to income ratio. So what's the result of that? <laughs> I bet you can guess. Here it is. Result is it is going to have upward pressure on pricing. So what else did they promise in their big promise election? All right, this is it here. Uh, they estab- they've established a housing Australia. Now, <laughs> the first part of this is blah, 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 because all it's doing is establish a committee which is going to look over things and it's going to report to the government and it's going to, to look at affordability and it's going to look at rentals and it's going to look at all of these things, but nothing is going to be done. So it's just a committee. Um, and you know what happens with committee when the money runs out, they can, they can promise all of these things, but nothing happens. Absolutely nothing. 
So uh, what's the other thing that's happened in this, this front? Now, this is actually a good thing. I'm actually quite... Um, quite pleased with this, but it's going to be a drop in the ocean. The Housing Australia Future Fund. Now, places like South Australia have had a a futures fund for some time, Uh, but this is a federal fund. So it's a $10 billion incentive with the objective of funding social housing and affordable housing properties. Uh, over the past, over the first five years, the fund has a goal of building 20,000 social housing properties, 10,000 affordable homes for key workers, 200 million in maintenance improvements on housing in Indigenous communities, 100 million, sorry, 200,000, 200 million, I meant, 100 million for transitional housing options uh, supporting women and children in domestic violence situations and 30 million for housing veterans who are experienced um, or at risk of homelessness. So look, it's a good thing. Uh, you know, that kind of money going into social housing, again, the devil's in the detail. Where are they going to put them? Are they going to be, you know, integrated with, uh, with communities in normal areas, in suburbs or new areas? Are they going to be, uh, you know, are they going to be building blocks of units, which are social housing, which is what they've done in the past? The devil's in the detail. How it works economically, how it works socially, I don't know, but we do have a problem in this area. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit of help, but what's it going to do? What's the actual result? Well, I look at it like this, you know, it's just adding a little bit of water to an already raging fire. It's not going to put it out. It's not going to, to correct the problem. It's, it's not the solution, but you know, every little bit helps, I suppose. So the next thing here is homelessness. And again, it's a task force, um, you know, aimed to establish key short, medium, uh, long-term reforms, but it's just another committee. It's a splash in the pan. Um, you know, it's, we do have a problem in this area, but it's, uh, it's not going to be doing very much, I'm afraid, because it's just another committee with a whole bunch of pollies sitting around, uh, you know, chatting to each other and saying, oh, this is a good idea. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's just add some more red tape. <laughs> Look, I am cynical. I know, but, uh, that's the reality. I've been around through many cycles, uh, and, um, that's what happens. You know, that's exactly what happens. So we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see how the legislation pays out. We'll wait and see how the funding plays out and whether they've actually costed all of this. I don't think a lot of it has been costed, but we're in for another three or four years. So uh, we'll see where the ride takes us. We'll see where it takes us. All right. What you do need to do is to step up for yourself. You need to start making your own decisions. You need to start making money regardless of what the pollies are actually doing. And the way to do that is to get yourself educated and start to use the property market for what it is. Use the cycle. Use the uh, the tools and the strategies so that it doesn't matter actually what the market does because you can make money regardless. And you need to start thinking about this. Because the pension is not going to support you if you're relying on that. You've, uh, you know, you need your, you need your head red. 
You need to start thinking about what you can do to actually move forward. And the first step of that is to get educated. Now, to help you out with that, I have some free 60-minute breakthrough sessions with, with my advisors. Now, I've I've set some times aside for them this week. So what you need to do is to jump on to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash. Um, or I think if you're seeing this on any one of the other forums like Facebook or YouTube, there'll be some links underneath there that you can just tap on and get one of those appointments. Now, come armed with your goals so that they know what you want to achieve and uh, then they can talk to you about how we can help you do that. Now, remember, we don't sell properties. That's not what we're about. We're about making sure that you know what you need to do and we can help you through the coaching to actually make that happen. So look, that's it for me this week. I hope you've enjoyed the Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass for the week. Uh, I really wanted to do a, an update on the election and all of the, the promises and how they affect property. So uh, I hope that helps and I will catch up with you guys very, very soon. Bye for now.